All right, everybody. Welcome to New Life. Glad you ha- glad to have you guys here today. Man, you guys all, yeah, yeah, I know, you're even clapping, yeah. And many of you guys just look amazing today. Yeah, I, I wanted to be honest, you know, right? I want to be honest. So, um, anyways, listen, my name's Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Glad to have you guys with us. If you are a guest, uh, I just personally want to say thanks for coming out today. Uh, we're going to have a great time uh, just worshiping God today. God, I, I believe God's got a great message for, for all of us, myself included. Um, it's the end of our current teaching series that we've entitled Call of Duty. Um, in Call of Duty, just give a brief uh, picture of what the series looked like. We started out talking about what authentic Christianity looked like. And that It's important that we live with an authentic faith. Um, the world is looking for people that are real in their Christianity. They're not looking for people that have it all together, claim that they're perfect, that they know everything. They're, they're looking for a place where they can walk in, they can belong, and they can just start where they're at. And there isn't any big false expectations that are put on them, but it's just authentic. It's genuine and it's accurate. Then we went to, well, why, why are we looking for authentic? And that's because that we have to replicate ourselves. The last thing that you want to do is replicate something that's faulty. If you replicate something that's faulty, guess what the next thing looks like? Faulty. Right. So if we are called to make disciples, then we're called to make disciples that look more like Christ and less like, you know, maybe us in our old sinful nature. And then we, then we jump from there to, okay, well, we're supposed to make disciples or replicate one another. Then what's this really all about? Is it just, is it just to, you know, fill up one church? No, it's to expand the kingdom and it's ministry and uh, church planting and sending people out of these doors that are beyond just the, the campus that we call here our New Life Campus in Kearney. It's beyond those things. And that's, uh, that's what leads us really to today. At the end of this whole Call of Duty series, one of the things that um, in Scripture and in my heart and what I sense God saying to us as a church is, we're called to celebrate the work of Jesus. To celebrate the work of Jesus. Many churches are dry and crusty and old and there's not a lot of celebration that happens. Everybody likes to go to a party, right? Right? There's very few funerals that I've ever, ever just was like excited to go to. And the few that I was super excited to go to were the ones that I knew for sure those folks those folks are with Jesus, right? And you can celebrate that even in death. We, we as Christians, we, we tend to kind of drift away from the celebration because we don't want the attention on us. We feel like if we celebrate, it's going to be more about us, right? And then that's prideful, and then that would be a sin. So today, I just want to help you understand, what does it really mean to celebrate the work of Jesus? What does that really look like? So when you came in the doors today, you probably noticed a couple of things. Uh, they were even they were even recently announced right up here by Pastor Roger. <clears throat> you saw uh, the the Jeep that was sitting out there, right? The World War II Jeep. Did anybody see that? All right. If you missed it, if you missed it, all right, then just consider yourself blessed, all right, because you're one of those probably non-critical uh, people that you can just go through life and you enjoy you enjoy life. Uh, you're not one of those people like me who goes through life and sees everything that's wrong and out of place. Like right now, I'm preaching up here and it's very difficult for me to preach because the altar that's up here is kicked at an angle. Why? Because we spent the entire weekend in here worshiping and praying. 
So now I'll just have to overlook that and just stare at you guys. But when you, when you came in the door, you probably saw it. A World War II Jeep, it's, uh, it actually belongs to a couple here at our church, uh, John and Kyle Hansen. Um, they just had it restored. It was the, it's supposedly a, a Jeep that was used at the Kearney Army Air Base. Uh, so it's kind of a historic item even for Kearney. Uh, when I heard about the fact that he was restoring it, we kind of talked really quickly and I said, you know what, let's do something really fun. Let's bring that Jeep and park it in our lobby. You think it will go through the doors? He's like, absolutely. Uh, you might have to get a little speed up and then, you know, go through there, but we can get it, we can get it through. So it just drove nicely right through. There's no damage to the doors. Um, we parked it out there for one reason. I parked it out there, um, not to stir up old memories, although a lot of old memories have, have already stirred up. I've had people come to me and say, that's what I learned to drive on. Uh, so that's great. Good for you guys. I'm glad that you remind you of some good, good old days. But it's really there to remind you of what's happened in the month of January. God's called us with some responsibilities. God's called us to some duties. God's called us, and he said, new life, and he said, new lifers, there's things that I put inside of your heart that I want you to do. I want you to get out there in 2014. I want you to accomplish these things. And one of the great ways to remember important moments that you know God speaks to you is to have some kind of an association. Sometimes you write in your Bible, you'll write a date when that verse really stood out to you. Or other times you'll open up a book and you'll journal about when God speaks to you. And basically what I want to help you do for the month of January is I want you to take a snapshot. It's a picture journal. And I want you, if God spoke something to you during this teaching series about this call of duty and part of your responsibility, then please feel free to sit in that Jeep. Yes, you can sit in the Jeep. I was given permission to let you sit in the Jeep. Sit in the Jeep and get your picture taken with the Jeep. And then every time you see the picture of the World War II Army Jeep, I want you to remember that we are part of an army. Jesus is our captain, and he's called us to some responsibilities that he wants us to accomplish. And let that picture remind you all year long what God's called you to do. Okay? Is that fair enough? Not to mention it's just kind of cool to have a Jeep in the lobby. Okay. So, like I told you, I, um, I'm one of those critical-eyed guys that notices a lot of things that are out of place. So obviously I would have noticed the Jeep that was out of place. And that comes back to bite me actually quite a bit. More, more than I would like to admit. Um, it gets me in trouble at home. <laughs> uh, it gets me, it gets me, um, underneath some people's skin at times, uh, that I have to lead or that I'm working on something with. Um, but that's the world we live in. The world we live in is a world that promotes the critical. It promotes what's wrong. It promotes the things that are deteriorating. It, it promotes conflict. I mean, if you ever, if you, if you watched this past week any kind of like uh, news that's worldwide news, have you watched any news? Most news has to do with what's the conflict, what's the problem, what's going wrong. We are, we live in a society where we're inundated with the things that are not celebratory worthy. That's the, that's just the culture that we live in. Even of a church. The culture of the church is a very similar uh, scenario. You know, as a pastor, I'm inundated on a weekly or bi-weekly basis with the sin in the church. Yeah, I, I the reports, they come back all the time, whether it's, you know, through your leadership or it's from another person. And the sin in the church, you, you hear about things that are happening in people's lives. Um, I hear about, you know, marriages that are on the rocks and that are broken. 
Um, and and that's, that, that kind of news is, it comes across the, the wire onto my desk all too often. And at people that are walking away from the faith, these are the kind of reports, and they just keep coming. And it's, it's just all the time you kind of get these kind of reports. And here's the thing. So I have to be really, really careful on what's re, which report am I going to lead off of? Which report am I going to allow to, to, to chart my course? Am I going to allow the, all the sin and all the marriage problems and all, the, all of the people walking away from the faith or people that are struggling in their spiritual journey? Or what, which report am I going to listen to? And the same thing is for you. You have to decide today which report is going to navigate your course. And I just refuse, I refuse to let the negative report direct or alter my course. I want the positive report to direct my course. Now, that doesn't mean that I take all the negative stuff and forget about it. It just means I take all of those things that are honest and true, and instead of looking at the church through that lens, I choose to set that to the side and go, okay, God, let's look at the church through your lens. Let's look at it through your eyes. What does your heart say? What is your heart beating right now? And so when I look, I'm looking for stories that are worthy to celebrate. People's lives that are worthy to celebrate. Because I want to lift that story up. And we want to promote that because now, now people that are struggling, they've got, a, they've got a story that they can look at and go, well, if that happened in their life, maybe that can happen in my life. I want to look for marriages that are being, being healed. Man, I just got a report about that uh, just uh, this past week and a half. I got a phone call. or Actually, excuse me, I got an email. And the email came in and just said, hey, I want to let you know this is what's happening in our marriage. And from where they were to where they are, I just, in my office, just wanted to go, yes! Because that's worthy of celebrating sinners that are finding Jesus. I'm looking for those stories. I'm, I'm out there. I'm trying to find new faces that I haven't met before. And last night, I got to sit right here on the front pew and just kind of get to know a guy who's new to our church. And he only came a month ago and rededicated his life back to Christ. And I got to hear his whole story. It was awesome. But I went out of my way to try to find that. That's what, as your pastor, that's what I'm doing. Looking for these stories. Where are the sinners that are finding Jesus? Where are people that are being healed? I just heard of one of those stories, um, even this past weekend. Uh, heard about, you know, one of our pastors and uh, even one of our board members going over to a person's house and praying for them. And shortly after the prayer, then God was, God was already beginning the heal process, but shortly after the prayer, it's like the healing process sped up and, and God was really doing some amazing work in their life. And I was glad to hear about those things and stories of people that are reflecting the love of God towards others and even stories of people who are, who are expanding God's kingdom. See, that's, that's what I'm looking for. And you can choose today which story are you going to look for. You can choose today to decide which work am I going to look for, the work of the enemy in the church or the, the work of Christ in his church. And we need to strive to be a church that celebrates the work of Jesus in each, each of our lives and as often as possible. Celebrating the work of Jesus. It's so easy, guys, just to go through life focused on everything that's wrong. Everybody likes to have something that they're against, it seems like. Instead of celebrating what we're for. And a church that's alive in its, in its community isn't the church that people, you know, walk in and they know what we're against. It's the church that people know what we're for. That's the church that changes its culture. But to do that, we have to learn how to celebrate the work of Jesus. So, let's start with the first question. Then what is the work that Jesus came to accomplish? 
what is this work that he came to accomplish? In his very first sermon that he preached in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus goes back to an ancient passage from, from Isaiah, and he requotes it, and he says, this is the work that I came to accomplish. Listen carefully to what Jesus says. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to look. To do what? To bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the, the time of the Lord's favor has come. In a very quick synopsis, Jesus comes right out of the chute. This is right after he's been baptized in water. He goes into the desert for, you know, 40 days. He fasts, he prays, he's tempted there. He comes out into Galilee and he walks in and he starts delivering his very first sermon in the synagogue. This is what he chooses to read. So what is the work that Jesus came to accomplish? Well, first off, he came to bring good news. He came to, he came to preach, to evangelize, to win people to the Father. He, he came to let people know, my God, my Father is amazing, and His kingdom is amazing, and you're going to want to follow Him. You're going to want to know about Him. I, I came with the message to let you know, my God is a faithful God. My Father is a faithful Father. My Father is good. My Father is gracious. My Father is great. My Father is loving. My Father is the healer. My Father is your deliverer. He came to preach that message so that the world might be evangelized to come to know God the Father. But look who he did it to. He said, I I came to bring the good news to the who? So does that mean if you're rich, he didn't come to bring the good news to you? Because if that's the case, all of America is out. Everyone. Everybody sitting here, you're, you're done. He didn't come to preach to, the, to, to just the poor in, in wealth. That word poor, it, it refers more to the humbleness of your heart. He came to preach the good news of the Father to those who would humble themselves to hear his message. It's today. Today, if you're here, you want to hear the message of Jesus through the words that I say today? If you want to hear his message, you're going to have to humble your heart. Say, God, here I am. I don't have it all figured out today. Here I am, God. I know that today I'm coming and I need a fresh word from you. Humbling your heart is what opens up the ears of your heart to hear the message of Christ. Jesus, even when he, was, even when he preached, he was rejected. There were some who turned their hearts cold, turned their hearts angry towards him. And others that just had a disinterest and they just walked the other way. They saw the crowds gathering. They heard some man preaching and they decided, I've got other things i got to do. And that same thing's happening on this planet today. The same work that Jesus came to accomplish is the same work that he's wanting to accomplish. What else did Jesus come to accomplish? And I want you to take a look at this. It says that he, that he has sent me, that's Jesus, to proclaim that, look, captives will be released. Captives released. Now continue reading with me. The blind see, and that the oppressed will be set free. All of that, all of that is all, all those three statements are all lumped into really one thing that Jesus said, I came to do. I came to make sure that the captives are released, that the oppressed are set free, and that the blind see. Basically, Jesus is saying, I came 
to make sure that the curse of sin is broken off of believers. So I first came to preach the message of the Father. The second thing I came to do was make sure that the curse of sin is broken off of believers. How did he do that? Well, he knew from the very beginning, I came to give my life on the cross and to rise again from the dead so that sin had no grip on those who had put their faith in me. That's number two. The last thing that he said he came to do was this, was to really declare that it's the time of the Lord's favor. To declare it. It's to say the time of the Lord's favor has come. What is the Lord's favor? He knew that when he gave his life on the cross, an Old Testament picture is this, that the Ark of the Covenant, where God's presence dwelt, sat in a room called the Holy of Holies, and there was this large curtain. One man, the high priest, could enter into it once a year. So one man, once a year, had communion, our relationship with God, one-on-one, kind of heart-to-heart, face-to-face, if you will. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, the veil, it says, in the New Testament, was ripped in two. Time of the Lord's favor was that it's no longer just one man, now it's my presence will dwell in your hearts. That's the Lord's favor. The Lord's favor was always to send His Son to give His life on the cross so that God could have a personal relationship with you and with me. But our sin is what separated us from God. And that's what the second thing was, that Jesus came to break that. So that's why Jesus is preaching this good news of, you've got to know my Father. You've got to know my Father because standing before you is the best gift you've ever seen before. I'm going to break the curse of sin so that you can have a personal relationship with Christ. You can have a personal relationship with a living God. And that mission that Jesus was called to do is still our call of duty. Our call of duty is to make sure that the world knows we have an amazing God with a loving heart who sent His Son Jesus to give His life on the cross so that we might have relationship with Him. Sound familiar? I say those words all the time. Why? That's the mission. If I didn't preach another thing, if every Sunday we came together I preached that mission, it would please the heart of God. Yeah, that's right. I could come every Sunday and preach the exact same passage and in the heart of God he'd be pleased. Because he's going, that's why I sent my son Jesus. So stop it. Stop trying to get beyond the basics as if beyond the basics there's some deep place to go. The basics is the depth. What Jesus came to do is the depth. If you want to be a mature, godly, deep Christian, go deep here. You go deep here and God reveals the mysteries of his kingdom to you. You try to get beyond this, like, oh, that's just shallow stuff. And you try to go deep someplace else with some other message, with some other idea. I'm telling you, all you're doing is you're, you're just paddling, you're paddling in the ocean as if you're trying to get someplace. If you want to have direction in your life, direction comes by grabbing a hold of the mission that Jesus came to accomplish and let it soak into you and go, I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to promote the kingdom. I want to promote a great God. I want to promote the Son of God. I want to help everyone have a relationship with Him. That's what it means to be deep. If you want to know what deep is, if you want to know what spiritual maturity is, grab a hold of this. And let the work of Jesus become your work. That's our call of duty. A lot of people celebrated this call, by the way. The angels celebrated this call. When Jesus shows up, what do the angels do? Angels go to the shepherds. Hey, 
Hey, just want to surprise you out here while you're watching some sheep. The sky's full of us, by the way. Uh, wants you to know, the Son of God's come. Dun, da, 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 trumpets, you know, the whole word. This is amazing. Wise men come. They start instantly. When Jesus shows up as a baby, the celebration begins. It doesn't end there, though. Jesus has multiple stories. One of the ones that I, I think I, I really love is when Jesus meets this woman in John chapter 4 at a well while he's traveling. He's traveling in the morning. It gets hot in the mid-afternoon, and so he stops at a well. And his disciples go into the town to grab some food, and Jesus is sitting at the well, and it says that this woman came to gather water. Now, most people at the hot part of the day would not be doing basic chores like gathering water, but she was. And one of the reasons that she was is because she was an outcast of her own town. She was a shameful woman in her own town. She was a, a woman that had been married to multiple men, and the man that she was currently with wasn't her husband. Jesus speaks to her, he prophesies to her, he pulls back the veil and he goes, woman, I really know who you are. And he looks beyond the surface and he loves her just for who she is. And she discovers that Jesus is God. And she basically gives her life to Jesus in John chapter 4 in the town of Sakar. She goes back into the town, walking the streets, telling people of this amazing man that she's met, this son of God, this Messiah who's come. And that people in the town start hearing this message and they come out to meet Jesus. Why? Because the woman is transformed and she's celebrating the work of Jesus in her own town. It says in John chapter 4 that Jesus was asked to stay in the town of Sakar for three more days as he preached the message. That's an interruption to his itinerary. He wasn't planning on staying there. He was just resting there. But he changes his whole agenda because it's time to celebrate the work that I've come to do. And a revival broke out in the town of Sakar because the Bible says in John chapter 4 that many came to believe. Many came to believe in the Son of the living God. Those kinds of stories go on and on and on. Like this other one in Luke chapter 5 where one, one man is paralyzed and he's a crippled and he, they, their friends want to try to bring him to Jesus. But Jesus is preaching in this house or this building and it's so packed that they can't even get their friend in. So they decide, we got a great idea. Let's make a new door. If you've heard this story, then you know. They go up onto the ceiling, they pull back some of the tiles and some of the, the, the thatch that's up there, and they drop their friend down from the ceiling, down right in front of Jesus. Now that's bold, all right? That's bold. We're just going to, we can't get in the front door, we climb on the roof, we, we make a hole, and we drop our friend down in front of Jesus. Hey, Jesus! <laughs> um, it's a little full, I know you're preaching, but our friend needs to be healed. Jesus prays for him. And the man is instantly healed. And in Luke chapter 5, it says, the man begins to praise him. The man begins to celebrate the work of Jesus. You know what he did from that day on? He celebrated the work of Jesus everywhere he went. You know he didn't stop telling people. You know that it never got old. You realize that, right? You realize that when you're paralyzed and you can't walk, and instantaneously Jesus heals you, you know that that's not just a story you tell once, right? And nor should it be the story that you have. The story that you have of your experience with Jesus 
and how he's transformed your life and how he's changed you and how he's taken the sin and he's wiped it away and he's allowed you to have a relationship with the Father, that story shouldn't be told once either. That's a story that should be told over and over and over and over again. It never should get old in you and it never should get old when you're sharing it with others. This is our call of duty. So how can we celebrate the work of Jesus? How can we do that as a church and as individuals? One of the things that we're given to celebrate the work of Jesus with is water baptism. Water baptism. It's an outward expression of really making Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life. It's an, it's an opportunity for you to, you know, identify your life with Christ. In fact, water baptism is something that comes after you have said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and leader of my life. Which, by the way, when one person who is a sinner or outside of a relationship with God becomes a follower of God, you do know what happens, right? The Bible says in heaven, there's a celebration. Heaven celebrates the work of Jesus. Why shouldn't we? We should celebrate the work of Jesus. And one of the ways that we do it is through water baptism. And water baptism is a powerful way for you to be connected with Christ. Take a look at what Romans has to say about this connection with water baptism to Christ. It says, for we, we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. For we died and were buried with Christ through baptism. What does that mean? It just simply means this. Jesus dies, goes into the tomb, three days, comes alive again, resurrected by the Father. You, giving your life to Christ, you go into the water. It's like going into the tomb and coming back out alive and new. Does the water cleanse you? No. Is it the, is it the water baptism that now gets you the new key that gets mailed to you straight from St. Peter so that you can get through the gate? No, no key is going to show up in the mail. But what does it do? It makes this public proclamation that my life isn't my own anymore. I have died to myself and come alive in Christ. And just as Christ died, I'm dying to me, coming alive through salvation, through the Son, through the work that Jesus came to do. I'm declaring He is the way, the truth, and the life. And I am going to run with this relationship with God that He's given me. It's a special association that happens between you and Christ. I'll explain it a different way for you. One of the things that I like is racing. Okay? So recently, I decided to buy a race car. Why? Because I don't want to be a race fan anymore. I want to become a race car driver. I'm going to be your pastor still. Don't worry about it. I'm not, I'm not going NASCAR on you or anything like that. I'm not racing on Sundays and preaching from some track someplace. It's just a hobby. Everyone has to have some hobbies, right? Come on. Right? You can't just work your fingers to the bone. You need to have some hobbies. So just a hobby that I will enjoy. And so we're going to work on this project. Well, it's because I don't want to be a race fan anymore. I want to become a race car driver. To become a race car driver, you first have to shell out the money and buy a car. Okay? All right? Now, just buying the car doesn't make you a race car driver. There's people that own race cars. They're not race car drivers. They're race car 
owners. Still different, right? To become a race car driver means you actually have to get in the car and you have to get out on the track and you have to fire up the engine and the green flag has to wave and you have to start the race. And when you start the race now for forever, even if that's your only race, from now, from now on in your life, you will now be associated as a... I can say I was a race car driver. Wow. Well, how, what was your success? I made it past corner one. But I was in a race, right? Few people can say it. Most people are race fans. And I will be a race car driver someday, somewhere, God willing. All right? Now, you have to get out of the stands and you have to get onto the track if you want that to happen. Water baptism is coming out of the crowd, right? And making a public association with Christ. This is a public thing. It's not a private thing. This is you getting out of the stands, out of the crowd, really kind of getting down there and going, I'm not just a fan, but I'm a driver. I'm not just a fan of Christ. I, he's living in me and I'm going someplace with him. I'm, I'm going to do something with him. I'm, it's not just hiding with the crowd. I'm coming out of it, putting my, putting my, my name on the line, putting my faith on the line. I'm wanting the world to know Jesus is my Lord and leader. I don't want to just drift into the background of coming out in the forefront, declaring he's amazing. I want to follow him. Now, it's safer just to stay as a race fan, isn't it? But the rewards are much less. So listen, it's safer to stay in the crowd with your faith, but the joy of knowing Christ is much less. So I want you to consider, if you haven't been baptized in water, consider this. Celebrate the work of Jesus in your life out loud. Out loud. Celebrate it out loud. And join us on February 9th as we have this special service called Hashtag Transparent, right? So if you have social media, if you do Facebook with your grandchildren or you have a Twitter account, when you send something out about inviting people to this special service on February 9th, just put Hashtag Transparent. The reason for that is you can actually search for anything Hashtag Transparent. Now, that means that everybody in the world can do the same thing. So there's a lot of junk that's out there. But for New Life... That's our, that's our service. Our service is that we're going to be searching after what it means to live transparent before God. And one of the ways we're going to celebrate it is by celebrating the work of Jesus through water baptism. I want you, if you haven't ever been baptized, you can still do it. Sign up. Sign up today. All right? Here's how you do it. Just email jeff at newlifecarney.org. Just do that. Email me. I'll help you. Just jeff at newlifecarney.org. Or, you know, go see someone at our information center. Or call into the church this week. But if you've never been baptized, then you're missing out on celebrating the work of Jesus. So jump in and let's do this thing together. Are you with me? Wow, this could be awesome. So uh, the other thing I want you to do is invite some friends. Invite friends. It's one service at 1045. How many of you guys have the, the flyer for this thing? Anybody get a flyer? Okay. If you don't, if you didn't get a flyer, listen, you need to stop at the information center and ask them. Tell them, I need more flyers. You take that flyer and you use it to invite a friend. Here's the last thing. So that's one. That's for you personally. This is something you need to do. We also should find great joy in helping people discover a life-transforming relationship with Jesus that leads them to water baptism. There's just few things in this world that even get close to being exciting like this is. When you help someone find Jesus... And then they find their identity with him by being water baptized. 
And at this church, at this church, if you're part of leading someone to Jesus, there is really no reason why you as a Christ follower shouldn't be in the water helping us baptize them as well. There's no reason. Water baptism isn't something that pastors do. Water baptism isn't something that just deacons at the church do. Water baptism is something that if we're truly going to replicate, it's the joy of continuing the replication process. It's the joy of helping someone know Jesus and then following through with that and helping them to celebrate the work of Jesus. We'll help you. We're going to be in there. We're going to help the whole process, but we want you to join us. If you lead a friend to Christ, man, come on. Let's follow the process. It's That's your baby to keep growing and to keep nurturing and to keep helping them know who Jesus is. So lead someone to Jesus and let's let's water baptize some people and celebrate the work of Jesus. That's what we want to do. Here's the second thing, though. How do we celebrate the work of Jesus? Another thing is share testimonies. A testimony is telling people what God has done or what God is doing. And this is something that God wants you and me to do. Share stories about what God has done. Look at what Psalms 107 has to say about it. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is what? He's good. His faithful love endures forever. Then look look what it says. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak, speak out. Tell someone, tell others that he has redeemed you, you know, from your enemies. Has the Lord redeemed you? Has the Lord transformed you? Has the Lord set you free from sin? Has the Lord healed you? Has the Lord delivered you? Has the Lord done something amazing in your life? Speak out. Tell a testimony about it. Bring attention to God. A testimony, a testimony is one thing, um, by the way, that no one can argue. That's the, that's one of the beauties of a testimony. No one can argue it. People can argue about you know, an interpretation of scripture. People can argue about what I say on the platform, but people can't argue you and your personal experience. They can't argue with you about your testimony. It's one of those things that just, it gets said, and that's, that's the bottom line. That's what happened to you. And it's awesome because when those stories are told, they're powerful, and they direct people back to Christ. Your story is a powerful story that helps others actually go, wow, if that's who God is, I want to follow him. Look at what look at what Revelation has to say about your testimony. It says, and they they have defeated him, Satan, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Your, your testimony defeats the enemy. Not only in your life, it defeats the enemy in other people's lives. Because people get to hear the good news about what God has done. And in our church, we have a lot of testimonies to celebrate. Tons of them. There's a lot of them all the time. Now, in fact, I just want to highlight one testimony really quick right now. So, Steve, would you join me up here? Where's that, where's that handheld microphone at? Where'd it go? Do you have that? Yeah, bring, you want to bring that up? Thanks. I thought it was sitting over there. My bad. Thank you very much. Steve, would everyone just please, this is Steve, all right? Steve Warner. Um, here you go, buddy. Steve, um, listen, some people may not know who you are. So where did you guys come from? Um, when, did you, when did you move here? And uh, when did you end up coming to New Life? Well, we moved. It's it's on. We moved into Nebraska from Louisiana. I was born and raised there. Stacy was actually her dad is from Nebraska, and she was in school down there. And I met her at the university. We got married. We had two children, and then Katrina hit, and it changed the whole landscape down there. People, economics, everything. Uh, 
we'd always loved when we come up here. It was so quiet and peaceful, so resources were made available to us through God because we couldn't afford to move up here. Neither of us had a job. We had nothing lined up. All we had was her dad up here, and we moved up here. And she found a job, and she loves it. I found a job. I love it. The kids love the schools and the friends. And we, I guess we were amazed that we had made it up here. Yeah. Uh, without, yeah, well, I guess, you know, God works through everyone. And right. we got up here, and we didn't, I don't think we appreciated what he had done for us. I really, I don't think we did. I know we talked about it, and everybody oohed and awed that we could get up here, and we didn't have jobs, and we still survived. And uh, So we kind of wallowed around, I guess, for, that's a Louisiana word, by the way, wallowed. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. So you wallered, We wallered right? around, and there was holes in our lives and in our hearts, just absolute dark spots. And uh, we finally saw some events happened at a church we were attending, and, and I stepped up with my wife, and I said, we need to find a place that has God as the center point, as, as the focal point, and, and a place that lives for him and does things for him and because of him. And Alan Nancy brought us to this church back in September, and uh, kids immediately fell in love with it. My children basically showed me up by giving their testimonies almost immediately, something they'd never done in their life. They'd never thought about giving testimony. Uh, so I, was, I, I will say I was shamed, if you will, into believing or into understanding that God works through everyone, even my 11-year-old and my 15-year-old. And it, from that point on, Stace and I have been just extraordinarily fulfilled and, and Christ-centered, if you will, that he's been the center of everything we've done. Uh, any decisions, any questions, anything, we ask him first. Now, I'm not saying that happens all the time because we all fail. Uh, <laughs> this weekend, my wife had to prop me back up. Right. It happens. Right. You know, but when you, st when you stop and you quit your ranting and you ask him for help immediately, Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for sharing just your little story and your, your testimony of how you got here. Awesome. Wow. I, I thought I was going to have to, you know, have a couple of questions prepared for you, Steve. You did such a good job just sharing with us, you know, here's a devastating situation and how God worked in it to lead them here. And then God works to bring them to new life. And as they got to new life, they jumped into a life group that I had started and we met together for a few weeks and their kids jumped into our children's ministry and this church has just wrapped their arms around them and has loved them and has embraced them and uh, they found they found you guys to be a friendly group of people that they said, we want to look like you and we want to be you. And by the way, well, doggone it, you're nice. So that's what they found. Guys, that's worthy of celebrating. There's so many other stories. How many of you guys have a story that, you know, if I brought you up here, which I won't, but if I brought you up here to share, you would have a story that you, we could all celebrate. Does anybody have anything? Of course. So where do we share these things? Where do all these life-giving testimonies and stories, where do they get shared? Because we're not going to share them all up here on a Sunday morning. That's, we just won't be able to do that. In life groups, that's where testimonies get shared. The power of the testimony lives on in a life group where you do a community with one another, a place that's small where you can come together and you can say, this is my life, this is what's going on, let me tell you what's happening. Man, let, and we celebrate. 
There should be high fives happening in life groups. There should be hugs. There should be tears. There should be parties that are thrown in life groups as people come to know Jesus, as others are being baptized in water, as you hear about the stories of God's provision. We should celebrate in our life groups. That's the kind of culture that God's called us to here at New Life. And I need, I need all of you to be a part of looking for stories to celebrate. Another part of your testimony is creative thing that we're doing with that piece of glass that's out there. After this service, you're going to be invited to go out there and uh, you can write a one-word testimony. One-word testimony on the piece of glass that is out there in the lobby. Um, here's the one-word testimonies that we're looking for. You can either write it in red or you can write it in black. If you, if you choose to make a testimony um, in, bl- in red, which is kind of more of a you know, Christ kind of declaring testimony, it, it's really just writing a word that God has set you free from. So maybe you want, you want to write the word, you know, anger in red. And all it means is that God set me free from that. Or maybe you want to write the word, you know, alcohol. Or you want to write the word drugs. Or you want to write the, ro- the word pornography. Or you want to write the word fear. Or you want to write the word uh, image. Or, you know, uh, confidence. Or whatever it is, something written in red is declaring, this is what God has set me free from. The things written in black are the things that you're still seeking freedom from. This is, that's all it is. I, I'm still seeking freedom, you know, in this area of my life, but I'm trusting God for it. Trusting God, you know, that money doesn't control me. I'm trusting God that lust doesn't control me. I'm trusting God that, you know, image or fear doesn't control me. I'm trusting God for those things. I'm trusting God, you know, that I'm going to find freedom, you know, from this current addiction in my life. And so you write the word addiction. It doesn't matter if your word's already up there. It's not about someone else's testimony. It's about your testimony. So let's join together as a church and write one word testimonies of what God has done and what we're trusting God to do. And then on February 9th, during that special service called Transparent, the reason why we're having one service at 1045, and I'm sorry for you that are here at 9, you're going to have to come at 1045, is because the illustration really only works with one piece of glass. So if you want to know the big science behind the whole thing and why we're doing it, it's because I got one piece of glass, all right? I get one shot at this. So we're doing it at 1045. So I need you to join me at 1045. At 1045 on February 9th, we're going to take all of your testimonies and we're going to declare them to all your friends that come. We're going to help them see what it means to live transparent, but we're also going to teach them about the power of Christ to break, to break the bondages of our lives. So as we wrap up today, the ultimate work of Jesus obviously was done through his death on the cross and his resurrection. And because of Jesus, we have a lot to celebrate and we have a lot to give praise for. Let me wrap up today with Hebrews chapter 13. Take a look at this. It says, for this world is not our permanent home. That's something to celebrate about, by the way. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, Let us offer, through Jesus, a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming, or the word proclaiming means to celebrate, celebrating our allegiance to his name. Leave that scripture up for a minute. Jesus, he's come and he's given his life. And he's asking for you and me to do the very same thing. Give me your all. You give me your all and I'm going to give you story after story to celebrate. You play it safe and you're going to be the person with few stories to share about what God's done in your life. So you got to get out of the stands. you got to get onto the track. you got to become a race driver. you got to get out there and go, I'm going to live 
all in. Everything about me is in. Everything about me is following Christ. And you know what? Story after story after story is going to come your way. As we wrap up today, we're going to wrap up with a, with a heart of celebration, though, because this passage says that we're supposed to worship. Worship with a sacrifice of praise. Worship with a sacrifice of praise and celebrate our allegiance to Christ. So if you have something to celebrate today, if you have something that's worthy of celebration, if your life with Christ is worthy of celebration, you know, or you want your life to be a billboard for Christ that just has story after story of testimony after testimony of what God's done in your life, then I just want you to stand with me as we pray and our worship team comes as we get ready to celebrate the work of Jesus through worship. Why don't you stand with me today? Father, as we come before you, we know that you are the one true living God and that in you we find life. That in you we have something that's worth celebrating. Lord, your word in Hebrews tells us to come with an attitude or a sacrifice of praise upon our lips. That there's always something we can celebrate you with. There's always something that's going on that we can declare, look at what God's done. Look at what God did here. Look at how Jesus has worked in my life over here. And that, Lord, you ask us to celebrate our allegiance with you. Not to, not to try to disguise it or hide it or just stay in the stands, but to come down onto the track and to celebrate the fact that Jesus is our captain. And we're called with a mission to go out into this world and to celebrate the work of Jesus. So, Lord, that's what we choose to do this day. Lord, in our worship, may our, may our mouths be filled with praise like a sacrifice to you. And may our mouths be filled with an allegiance of celebration that you are the one true living God. That you live in us, you transform us, and you change us. In Jesus' name, let's worship Him.